0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jonathan All. It's been about 10 years since Matt Blunt was Missouri's governor. He served from 2005 to 2009. And before that, the Republican was Secretary of State, was in the General Assembly, and a US Navy officer. Now Blunt is president of the American Automotive Policy Group, a small trade association that focuses on trade issues for Fiat, Chrysler, Ford, and General Motors. He was a guest of Joe Manis and Jason Rosenbaum for our Politically Speaking podcast. They started by talking about the former governor's current role.
1: You might wonder why you'd have a trade association just to focus on uh, trade, it's because autos are such a widely traded commodity. A lot, of, a, a good chunk of global trade is in the automotive uh, sector. We export more cars and parts from the United States than anything else, about $140 billion a year. Uh, so it's, uh, it's you know, very important to our, our companies because we export about one out of five vehicles that we make in the United States get exported, and trying to ensure that other markets remain open is important to us.
2: Now, it's kind of interesting that you ended up with the auto industry as a Republican, as a fiscal conservative. I mean, there would be some who would say that may not be a good fit at least early on because you know uh, the auto industry is very strong labor component. Uh, the leaders have often been politically mixed. Kind of how did you end up in that? And, um, then we'll segue into how your past kind of affected this.
1: Sure. Well, they they'd actually reached out to me about uh, if I'd be interested in the the position a couple of years after I uh, left office. So I started. February 1 of 2011 um, but you know it is a, it's an important industry for the country it's a good percentage of our GDP about three percent of our GDP is in the auto sector and really it is an important sort of foundation for all of manufacturing uh, in the United States and of course Missouri is an auto state like a lot of states with uh, a, a Ford and uh, General Motors presence and uh, certainly a lot of automotive suppliers in most states, uh, or many states, automotive uh, suppliers is the largest component of their manufacturing. And actually, I think that's true uh, in Missouri as well.
2: Hey, now, how have the Trump tariffs affected things? <laughs> have you been involved in either reacting to them, trying to block them, or whatever? Mm-hmm.
1: So we're we're extremely involved with what uh, the president is trying to do on trade. We are very dependent on trade, as I I mentioned, and the administration is trying to do a lot of things that we think need to be done. So, for example, in the new NAFTA, uh, there's a currency provision, which we've longed for. A long called for having currency provisions as a part of free trade agreements. Uh, there's the strongest l- sta- uh, language on standards that we've ever uh, had in a free trade agreement. And that's important because um, we're really in a battle with the Europeans uh, to keep other foreign markets open for our products. The Europeans do a very good job of convincing other countries to accept products built to their standards, and when they do that, they can have the effect of closing those markets to products built to U.S. standards. And the administration has done a good job on that. I mean, as with a lot of things, people, you know, sometimes quiggle, quibble with the tactics of the administration, uh, but certainly the goals and objectives are very closely aligned with where we thought trade policy should be for a number of years.
3: Yeah, I was just going. I read a book by Bob Woodward about the president. And one of the major aspects, I don't know if you've read the particular book I'm talking about, but one of the the conflicts that was in the administration was there were a lot of stalwart Republican people that were brought in uh, to deal with trade policy who boisterously disagreed with the president on trade because it's so different from what, you know, George W. Bush did or maybe what Mitt Romney would have um, advocated for. How, is, how has his differences uh, of philosophy on trade kind of affected your current role? And has it has it been a good working relationship or has it been kind of difficult to to navigate what for for many Republicans is, is a major shift in thinking?
1: Yeah, I think it is a it is a major shift in, in thinking that I think probably has long term implications for um, the Republican the Republican Party but you know the administration as you point out has lots of different voices in terms of trade policy so um, we try and talk to all those all those folks about our concerns again we have a lot that the administration is trying to do that we entirely agree with um, we think the new NAFTA is better than the old NAFTA we're strong supporters of it we think it's done a number of things that are important for the um, for really our industry. Um, and we believe it will actually, you know, force lots of investment in the United States in the auto sector, a uh, significant new sourcing of U.S. parts uh, for vehicles built in North America and lead to the creation of tens of thousands of jobs.
2: Now, in your role, do you engage a lot with members of Congress? Do you talk to your dad, who's the senior senator from Missouri, mm-hmm. Roy Blunt, just so folks know um or i mean just kind of how do you what's your typical day like and and yeah. who do you reach out to so
1: we we typically we deal with a lot of sometimes technical issues that exist in foreign countries um so we spend a lot of time for example in um technical issues in the middle east and i've traveled to the united arab emirates to to meet with uh regulators really? in that country to talk about some of the regulations they were uh, establishing um the uh, you know we export about two hundred thousand vehicles a year to the Middle East and, and North North Africa. Our primary points of contact actually are in the administration, the Departments of Commerce, um, the U.S. Trade Representative's Office is probably the most important uh, agency that we interact with on a regular basis because we track currency so much. We deal with the Treasury uh, and meet with the Treasury with some with some regularity if we think economies that have a history of manipulating their currency such as Japan or Korea are doing something in the marketplace that's keeping the market from setting uh, the currency exchange rate. Um, We spend a lot of time in sort of a global forum uh, that's called the Working Party 29 uh, that meets in Geneva regularly. So either I or folks that work in the office with me travel to Geneva with some regularity to participate in those meetings.
2: Well, um, before we kind of offer a little bit of a take on your four years as governor, what do you see as your major achievements during that term? And you also probably should make it clear to uh, listeners about why you decided not to run for reelection. Because I remember when that oh, happened. That was in. We'll
3: get to that, Joe. Uh, I know, I know, but
2: the <laughs> but the point is, you know, it kind sure. of shook. It was one of the first of what turned out to be a series of stunning. Uh, things that happened in Missouri politics over the next 10 years.
1: So, um, you know, I had a real opportunity, I think, to sort of reset Missouri state government it was, as you know, the first Republican governor with a Republican legislature in 80 years. And I think we were able to do substantial things that benefited the state. We were able to make Missouri a better place to create jobs and economic opportunity, but with things like litigation reform, workers' compensation reform, other regulatory relief, those things helped us create 70,000 new and net new jobs over the, those four, four years. Um, the budget as you all know, was was in in shambles with a billion dollar budget deficit. We made a number of, I think, difficult but important decisions early on that allowed us to um, reset our fa- our footing on uh, the state budget. And after having faced a billion dollar uh, deficit my first year, we were able to enjoy surpluses years after that. And in fact. When we left, it was the largest surplus uh, the state had ever had, not including even the the rainy the rainy day fund. So the budget uh, fixing a broken state budget was, I think, an important thing that we were able to accomplish. Um, and then I think, in many ways, we were able to, you know, have a uh, tr- try to do things that established uh, that uh, reflected our values of personal responsibility and a belief in the importance of faith and, and family in Missouri.
3: You know, some people like to wax nostalgic about the mid 2000s and point to people like Charlie Shields and Mike Gibbons as and and yourself and others as statesmen and how it was a better time but being in the Missouri capitol during that time it was probably one of the most contentious periods in recent Missouri political history and I think it was because a republican governor was coming in with a republican legislature and making some major policy changes democrats still had a lot of people in the senate and the house which meant that especially your decisions on Medicaid um, and other aspects of your administration, a torrent of criticism came your way. I've always wanted to ask, like, how did you deal with that? Because it, it probably wasn't an easy thing to go from being like a state House member and secretary of state where the pressure to do things is not as high as being governor. And then you're doing all these very consequential things, but it's it's not being universally received, like, with open arms. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, I, mean, I think – It could be life. So you relish criticism or relish uh, um, criticism you might think was was unfair at times. But if you are comfortable with your decisions and I was, I thought we were doing the right and necessary things um, for for our state. and you can you sleep pretty well at night, and get up and face the, the battle, uh, the battle again. But it was, it was a time of tremendous change for the state. There's no question about that. Um, change is always difficult to manage. I think we did a number of things very quickly, which I think was the right, right way to do it, rather than trying to uh, spread it out over four years, because we believed that the change would deliver beneficial results for the people of our state.
3: So I want to, I want to touch on that topic with something that you said. Uh, when you announced you weren't going to run for re-election and and use that as a jumping-off point.
1: Some believe we seek solutions as a path to re-election. My mission, though, has never been about the next election. It was and is about making our state government worthy of the people it serves. The ability to keep change working for Missourians does not rest with a single person. This is not about who is governor. It is about embracing the ideas and values which will allow every Missourian to reach his or her full potential. Once, when asked if you were running for re-election, another governor responded, yes, I like being governor. When I read that, I thought at the time that I never wanted to run for any office just to hold it. I did not run for governor to have a title, but to bring change to state government. After 10 years in the United States Navy, I knocked on my first door as a candidate for office. I did not envision then that I would spend the next 10 years in state government. The habit of politicians is to remain in office. And the desire to prove oneself in the next election is strong. But after a great deal of thought and prayer, and with the knowledge that we've achieved virtually everything I set out to accomplish and more, I will not seek a second term in the upcoming election. Because I feel we've changed what I wanted to change in the first term, there's not the same sense of mission for a second.
3: So I've actually listened to that speech. I don't know, this. that probably is the first time you've heard that in a long time. In a I long would time. And,
1: it's well said, though. Yeah, it,
3: it, it <laughs> was well said. And I, I, I know I've, I gave you praise at the beginning, but I have thought about what you said when I've listened to that in the recent past. And, you know, people were coming up with all sorts of reactions when you said that they thought there was some other reason, like you couldn't beat Jay Nixon or other things. But it, it really did seem like you wanted to move on and do something else and not just be a po- elected official anymore. And you, you may have been more comfortable doing something with, like what you're doing now, that's my observation. I, I'd, I'd like you to kind of reflect on on that decision, which, as Joe mentioned, really did change Missouri politics for a long time.
1: Well, it was another uh, dif- difficult uh, decision to make, but I've never, I've never looked back with any regret on that uh, decision at all. It uh, decision um, it certainly, from a personal standpoint, has allowed me to you know, spend far more time with my uh, my wife and uh, now two sons it was one son that I had while I was governor than would have been imaginable if I'd uh, continued in, in public office. And we've got a great, um, great family life uh, together. So I, certainly from that perspective, a personal perspective, I don't uh, regret it in any way. And I do, I do believe I'd accomplish what I was going to accomplish as governor in that that first term. Um, as I've, I think, through what I wanted to do as governor, the only thing I really never was able to accomplish was sort of some sort of education reform around failing school districts. Uh, we tried to pass a scholarship bill, weren't successful, um, which I, was disappointing to me because I thought that was a, an issue that in some ways reflects the best of both parties, a Republican belief in competition and opportunity and a Democrat belief in, in social, social justice. I think we, I wish we could have delivered that, but it didn't seem to be in the cards for a term two either. So I I, I think it was the right decision. I was proud of what we accomplished. And I think it did make the state a different state than it had been before. Missouri government was different after I was governor than it had been when I first took office. And I was certainly proud of
2: that and ready to move on.
3: Matt Blunt is the former governor of Missouri. And he's talking with us right now about his legacy and current activities.
2: I mean, arguably the most controversial decision you made during your tenure was you and the Republican leaders in the General Assembly cut Medicaid substantially. So there were tens of thousands of people who either lost coverage or lost at least part of their coverage or were knocked off the rolls, I mean, for good or bad. Um, but that happened. Uh, then Attorney General Jay Nixon, after he became governor, spent eight years trying to get some of those people back on or trying to expand Medicaid. Uh that didn't happen. Missouri remains one of the most restrictive states in the country when it comes to Medicaid eligibility. Looking back, I mean, now it's because um, this happened in, what, 2005? Yeah, I
3: think it's been about 14 years. Yeah. And before you answer, ask your question, we should also note, and I'm sure you're going to mention, there was a very major restructuring of Medicaid that correct. happened in 2007. So, correct,
2: correct. But my point being that that was probably the most dramatic change in the state's Medicaid program ever, and it's been in more than a decade since then and while there's been battles about it it really hasn't changed i mean so right, i'm just interested I, in i your think thoughts. that
1: is is proof that it was the right the right thing to do i don't think anybody's ever presented a serious plan to go back to uh, the old medicaid that was clearly something the state could not afford. We were spending over a third of our budget on Medicaid, which at the time was very high compared uh, to to other states. It was stifling our ability to make investments in education. And While I was governor, we increased education funding every single year because that's how you invest in the future, by investing uh, in education. I think the fact that, again, that there's not been any real serious plan or effort to go back is is meaningful. there was a big change. A lot of the change in terms of reducing the number of people in the program was just focused around actually doing a better job verifying eligibility. About half the people that came off have came off because of better eligibility verification. But it was challenging. and We spent a lot of time on as we prepared the first budget and then, as you point out, we um, we also learned, one thing I think you learned as you dig into Medicaid, certainly the Medicaid that existed then, it's not very good health care. So we tried through Missouri Health Net to create a better system with greater access where folks would have a medical home, where we'd actually provide higher reimbursements to providers so that they'd actually see Medicaid uh, patients, and we made some progress on, on all those fronts.
3: The last thing I want to touch on, because I know we're running short on time, is I want to play a clip from uh, Lincoln Days where you talk about the future of the Republican Party. Yeah, and Party. this
2: is
1: just recent. You know, Missouri's uh, current constitution was adopted in 1945. And, and since then, there have actually been only six years in that entire period. We had a Republican governor, Republican House, Republican Senate. And when we report to the electorate in 2020, it will still have only been eight years with a Republican House, Republican governor, Republican Senate in the more than seven decades since that constitution uh, was, was adopted. And it's the case today, of course, that we have a Republican House, a Republican uh, governor, and a Republican Senate. And that is a great reward for a lot of hard work, work that all of you have been engaged in uh, for years, and in some cases, decades. It's a great reward, but it is also uh, a tremendous responsibility. Uh, because when we face the voters in 2020, they'll have a right to ask what we've done with that opportunity. What have we accomplished for the people of Missouri? And we know there won't be anybody else to blame uh, because of this unique circumstance we have in our state.
3: So the question I wanted to pose to you is a final thought. Um, How do you think Republicans now can avoid the situation you alluded to, where Republicans won in 2004 and then by 2008, Democrats won most of the offices besides lieutenant governor? Different dynamics at play, like you won the governorship very narrowly, whereas the statewide office holders won by a large margin due to Trump. So clearly the dynamics in Missouri have changed. But I'd be interested for you to elaborate on, like, what is your what is your. General message to Republicans and particularly Governor Mike Parson as he goes into uh, his first election.
1: Sure, and I, you know, I think Missouri has changed. There's, as, as Missourians have watched, um, Washington Democrats they've uh, decided they don't want a, a part of that, and uh, it's become a more uh, Republican state. Um, but what the legislature and the governor do over the next couple of years has, you know, tremendous. Uh, impact on what happens in the election they have to demonstrate that they're able to work together and tackle big problems I don't know that Mike Parson needs any advice from me. He's, I think, doing just a, a great a great job. Uh, but My advice would be to continue to do what he's doing, which is maintain this strong relationship with the legislature, where he's constantly interacting with them, trying to identify uh, priorities that they have and that he has that they can work on together. Um, I think he is, is really doing it, and he's really done a great job. And as a Missourian, I'm grateful that he was able to really pull our state out of a Uh, an embarrassing crisis and restore some credibility to state government, which I think he did almost immediately, given his uh, presence and persona.
0: That's former Missouri Governor Matt Blunt, who served from 2005 to 2009. He was a guest on our Politically Speaking podcast with our political reporters, Jason Rosenbaum and Joe Manis. Blunt is now in charge of a trade association that focuses on trade issues for Fiat, Chrysler, Ford, and General Motors. He lives with his family just outside of Washington, D.C., For an extended version of this interview, listen to the Politically Speaking podcast. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.